You're listening to Choose, a sermon series about choices and consequences. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. in a series that we have titled Choose. We've titled Choose, and the truth of the matter is life is full of choices. Uh, when you wake up, from the moment that you wake up in the morning to the time that you go to sleep at night, you are making choices. You are making decisions. Uh, today, when you got up, you chose what you were going to wear. That's not entirely true because I know some of the ladies here probably chose what their husband uh, was going to wear, uh, but you made a decision. Then husbands, after your wife chose what she was going to wear and she asked you how I look in this outfit, you had to choose your words carefully, right? Especially if you didn't want to go to work tomorrow with a black eye. You look great, baby. I like it. You look good, right? Anybody say that? I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyway, so life really is full of choices and our choices matter. Who we are today is a result of all the choices that we have made in our past. The who we'll be able to be tomorrow and what we'll be able to do tomorrow really is dependent upon the choices that we are making today. And so during this series, what we've been doing is talking about some pretty specific choices. We started this series off by talking about the fact that we need to choose purpose over popularity. We need to choose the purpose that God has for our life over convenience, over comfort. God's way for our life is much more important and better, better for us than anything that you and I could decide. And so we need to choose again purpose over popularity. Uh, last week we talked about the fact that we need to choose prayer over panic. In life, we really are tempted to worry about so many things, but God wants us to go to him in prayer. We need to seek his will, his way for our life. And so we should pray instead of worry. And today, I want to talk to you about choosing surrender over control. Choosing surrender over control. Now, I need a little participation as we get started. Everybody's with me, right? You're still with me? All right, so I need a little participation. Uh, how many of you would just be honest and admit this morning that there is some area of your life that you like to be in control of, right? A couple of people got their hands up. Hey, if you, had, if you had the desire to raise the person's hand next to you or put it down, you should have your hand up. You know what I'm saying? Because you are a control freak. Anybody know any control freaks out there? Don't point if they're sitting by you. You know what I mean? Don't want you to get in trouble. But we, we all, I think all of us have times where we really do uh, want to be in control. There are areas of our life where we want to be in control. Uh, there are times when I will be riding in the car with somebody, I'm in the passenger seat, and I will be over there pressing the imaginary brake. Anybody else you do that? I mean, I want to be in control. Amanda, my wife, sometimes she gets really mad at me because there really have been times where I've literally reached over and grabbed the steering wheel because she's getting a little too close to the shoulder. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? She'll look at me like I'm crazy. You know what I'm saying? And so I'll look at Amanda and I'll say, girl, there is precious cargo in this car. And she'll say, the kids ain't here. And I'm like, I ain't talking about the kids. I'm talking about me. I'm precious. Ain't that right, mama? Let's see. My mom thinks I'm precious. Amanda just doesn't know how precious I am. Y'all pray for me. But anyway, I like, I like to be in control. And I think we're all 
like that in some areas of our life. Maybe you like to be in control at work. Maybe you like to be in control of your husband. Maybe you like to be in control of your wife. Maybe you like to be in control of your kids. You know, you want to you wanna determine what it is that they are going to do. You want to do, uh, you want to determine their, their grades in school so you actually do their homework. You probably don't do any of that, but you know somebody who's like, well, I want my kid to do good on this reading fair board, so I'll do the reading fair board. You know somebody He's like, I want my kid to do good on this science project. So instead of them doing the science project, you, you do it. Anybody know anybody like that? This is crazy, okay? So for real, I read an article this past week from the Huffington Post that said 8% of recent college graduates, recent college graduates, 8% of them actually take one of their parents with them to a job interview. 8%. I'm just going to be honest with you, as Elevate Church continues to grow, and as we add staff members, if you come and apply for a job and have an interview, you better leave your mom in the car, okay? Because we're just not doing that, you know what I mean? But that's, that's crazy, but there really are. There are some parents who just want to be in control, and again, maybe you've got to be in control at work, or your wife, your husband, you've you got to control how the towels are folded, or the direction that the toilet paper comes out on the dispenser at your house. You know, we all have areas, again, where we want to be in control, but the truth of the matter is, Whenever we're trying to control something that's not ours to control, that's a reflection of a very big spiritual problem. It really is. And so today what I want to do is I want to point out three reasons why you and I tend to want to control things in our life. If you're taking notes, you want to write them down. The very first uh, thing that I want you to see, the first reason why we tend to want to control things is because we want to be God. We want to be God. It's this God complex. See, when it comes to the question of who is in control, who is in control of my life, who is in control of your life, we really want the answer to be me. You want the answer to be you. We want the answer to be us. But Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 reminds us who actually is in control. That verse says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Come on, how many of y'all have ever made plans? You have planned and planned and planned. This is how it's going to work out. You make all these plans, and then once you start doing that, things don't go according to your plans. Has that ever happened to you? You know why that happens? It happens because we are not in control. I got three kids. They're all very special. They really are. I love each and every one of them. Uh, Sadie Kate, my middle child, you never really know what she's going to say, okay? And uh, so I remember when we found out that we were pregnant with, uh, uh, you know, me and Amanda, when we found out we were pregnant with our third child, Lawson Cruz, we told Sadie Kate, hey, uh, mama's got a, bell, a belly. She's got, sorry, she's got a baby. You got to edit that. Uh, we, we, she's got a baby in her belly. And then Sadie Kate was like, I remember when I was in mama's belly. And we were like, really? You know, you remember that? And she says, oh yeah, yeah, it was dark in there. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. She said, and I didn't, I got tired of staying in the dark, you know? And so I said, I'm, I'm coming out. I don't want to be in the dark anymore. And we're sitting there going, really? And she said, and I remember when I came out, there were lights everywhere. And I was like, somebody needs to turn these lights off. You know what I mean? And I was like, really? You remember all that? She said, yeah, I just decided to come out. I was like, wow. But here's the thing. You don't decide when you're going to be born. 
Don't tell her that, you know? But you don't decide when you're going to be. You're not in control of that. You're not in control. And there are so many things that you and I think that we're in control of, but the truth is we are not. And the reason why is because we're not God. And see, again, when we're trying to control something that's not ours to control, what we're actually saying is, I want to be like God. I should be in control because I know what's best in the situation. I should be in control because I know how to work this out. I should be in control because I know what's better. But look at Psalm 24, verses 1 through 2. The Bible says this, the earth and everything. Everybody say everything. everything. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, meaning all, not some inhabitants, not, not most inhabitants. This is all inhabitants. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to who? The Lord. For he has laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. God is in control. But see, how many of y'all got a TV at your house? I got a TV. A couple of y'all got a TV. Some of y'all, I know y'all got TVs. But anyway, so, you know, in my house, there's something that gives me control of that television. You know what it is? The remote. What I cannot stand at my house is somebody else having control of my remote. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And what I really can't stand is for somebody to be sitting in my chair, in my spot, with my remote, controlling my TV. Come on, man. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sadie Kate, again, my, my middle child, man. There are times she'll be sitting in my spot with the remote control. And I look at her like, what are you doing? I wonder if there's not times in my life, in your life, when we're trying to control things and God doesn't look at us the same way. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you trying to control that? See, this next verse, I want you to see something else. It's one of the most popular verses in the Bible, one of the most quoted verses, but it's really, it's really difficult to live out. I want you to see it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. These verses say, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of your heart. I wonder today, how much of my heart am I trusting God with? How much of your heart are you trusting God with? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and watch this, and lean not on your own understanding. Is that hard for you? Not to lean on your own understanding? I know it is for me because I want to be in control. I want to know how this works out. I want to know how this is going to go. I want to lean on my own understanding. But God's word says, don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit or surrender to him, and he will make your paths straight. If we surrender to God, if we submit to God, he will make our paths straight. I don't know if you'll admit this or not, but I have noticed in my own life, when I am trying to control things, I usually mess things up. When I try to control things, things don't usually end well. It's true of my life. I know it's true of yours, but I want you to see uh, an example of this where where control goes bad from the Old Testament. I want to talk to you about uh, some people named 
Abraham and Sarah. Uh, if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, you should realize, man, if there were two people who ever struggled with wanting to control their lives, it was these two individuals. Uh, God comes to Abraham and says, look, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a promise. You're going to be the father of a great nation. You're going to have all these descendants. It's going to be unbelievable. A bunch of kids and Abraham's like, wow, that's amazing. That's really what I want. But guess what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. His wife doesn't get pregnant. Days go by and nothing. Weeks go by and nothing. Months go by and nothing. Years go by and nothing. There are still no children. They are getting older and older. Sarah is well past the age of bearing children. Nothing is happening. So Sarah does what you and I traditionally try to do. When things aren't working out the way that we want, we try to take control. That's what she does. I want you to see this in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 2. It says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And so what she says is she says to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. You see what she's doing there? She's trying to take control of the situation. She's saying, I can fix this. I got the solution. I know how to work this out. I can be God here. Go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, the problem is that Sarah is trying to do something that God himself said he was going to do. In verse 2, she says, perhaps I can build a family through her. That, that, that sounds all great, but again, God had already said he was going to do this. You can read all about it in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. See, it was God who said he was going to build this family. It was God who said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. God said it, but nothing seems to be happening. So Sarah takes control. She takes control. She tries to step into God's role. And I'm telling you, you and I were not meant to be God. We weren't. But deep down, most of us have this idea that we should be in control, that we know what's best, that we know how things should work out, that we're much smarter, much wiser, and much more capable of the God who created the heavens and the earth, and we're simply not. But oftentimes, again, we want to be in control because we want to be God. The second reason why you and I want to be in control is because we, 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 lack, we lack patience. We lack patience. Come on, how many of y'all are impatient people this morning? I know that I am. I really am, man. It's, it's, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. The Christmas season is upon us. How many, how many people here uh, have already bought all their Christmas presents? Anybody? A couple people. How many people have wrapped those Christmas presents? How many people have their Christmas tree and lights up? Yeah, man, I, I told somebody Wednesday night they were overachievers. How many of y'all hadn't done any of it? Me! I ain't done none of it. But I really do. I love, I love Christmas. I'm going to be honest with you. I love to give presents. I do. But I ain't going to stand here and lie to you. I like to give presents too. And I know you do too. 
You do too, because deep down, when you give somebody a present, you know, and you give them a present, and then they don't give you one back, what do you say? I know who I ain't getting a present for next year, right? I know some of y'all are like that. We like to get presents too, but I do. I like to give presents. Uh, I like to give presents, but one thing that I just really hate, I hate to watch somebody who opens presents so slowly. You know, they're looking at the box, and they're looking at the tag. Oh, look at this right here. Look at this bow. And then when they go to open the presents, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to rip the paper. I'm going, you're not going to use that paper next year. Rip that present open. You know what I mean? I want, I want people to open them quick. I, I, I'm impatient. I get impatient when I'm driving behind someone that's going the speed limit. I get impatient. I get impatient when I have to wait at a fast food restaurant. It's supposed to be fast food. You know what I mean? I, I want things done quickly. I want things done fast, but that's not always how God works. It's not. And so it frustrates us. It frustrates us to the point where we say, you know what, if I want this to happen, I need to take control. Again, I want you to think about Abraham and Sarah. Abraham's name at one time was Abram, and that name Abram, what it means is father. That name means father. So all his life, people called him father. All his life, he probably dreamed that I'm going to have children. And so he marries his high school sweetheart. He marries Sarah, and he's thinking, man, this is going to happen. It's finally going to happen. We're going to have kids. And so they get married, but nothing happens. No children. So God comes to Abram in Genesis chapter 15, and Abram is depressed. He really is. He doesn't have any kids, and he's like, God, I, I thought that you said that I was going to have kids. I thought that you said you were, you were going to do this. Nothing is happening. What, what's going on? I'm losing my patience here. And look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 5. It says, he, which is God, took him outside, and he said, look at the sky and count the stars, if you were able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Now, I can only imagine this visual example, this visual illustration got Abraham excited, pumped him up. Wow, I can't even count all those stars. And so he goes home, he goes to his wife, and he's like, Sarah, you're not going to believe this. God spoke to me. And she's like, really, what did he say? And I can see him maybe, maybe turning on little boys to men. You know what I mean? Taking her outside where the, sun, the sun's down and the stars are out. And he's like, girl, look up there. You see all those stars? And she's like, oh, it's so beautiful. She says, can you count those stars? And she's like, I can't. And he goes, that's how many kids you're going to have. And she goes, a what? Because, come on now, this is before modern medicine and epidurals and hospital beds. She's thinking, I mean, I want one or two kids, but that many kids, that's going to mess me up. And so, but, but she's like, I don't know about that. But he's like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. And so he's like, no, 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 we're going to have all these kids. And she wants a child. She wants a child. She wants a child. But God promises them this child and still nothing. So what does she do? What does he do? They both lose their patience. Again, we're tired of waiting. And so in Genesis chapter 16, I want you to see, I want you to see Sarah's plan again. Here's what the verse in verse 1 says. It says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. 
But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. Sarah thinks, I'll fix this. I'll fix it. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. If you want something done quick, you gotta, you got to do it. I'm tired of waiting on God. So she says, Abraham, go sleep with my slave. And Abraham at this particular point is about 90 years old. And so he's learned the long lesson that it takes some, some men a, a real long time to learn. She, he has learned, you know, happy wife, happy life. And so he says, well, honey, if this is what you want me to do, if this is what you want me to do, if this will make you happy, I'll, I'll do it. And so, and so he does. And if you don't know what happens next, I, I, want you to, I want you to know that because Abraham and Sarah chose to do something, because they lost their patience, something happens that ends up impacting generation after generation after generation. In fact, their choice to take control is still impacting people today. Because see, Abraham does sleep with Hagar, and he, she gives birth to a son named Ishmael. And Ishmael is described as a wild donkey of a man. How many of y'all know some wild donkeys of a man? You know, maybe some kids. I know we got some teachers here. Y'all know some wild donkeys, right? You know what I mean? But so he's a wild donkey of a man. They have Hagar. That Hagar has, has Ishmael. But later on, later on, Sarah does give birth, just like God said gives birth to a son named Isaac. And if you really look at the lineage of, of Ishmael and Isaac, it's unbelievable. Because out of Ishmael's family comes the Palestinians, comes the prophet Muhammad, comes Islam. And out of Isaac, you know, out of, out of Isaac comes, comes the Jewish nation, comes Christ, comes Christianity. And here we are centuries later, and you still have this tension that exists between the Palestinians and the Jews. You still have this tension between people in the East trying to decide, do I follow Muhammad or do we follow Christ? Why is that? Why is that happening? Because control went bad. And that's what happens when you and I try to take control. We mess things up. I just want you to know, I just want you to know that when you and I try to take control of our life, when we try to take control of things that are not ours to control, we mess up our paths and we mess up the paths of countless others. We have to be patient. We have to be patient and understand that it's better for God to be in control. Because Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Be patient. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says this, since God chose you to be holy people, he loves, he loves. It says that you must, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Tell the person sitting next to you, you better be patient. Now I tell the person that told you to be patient to hold their horses, right? They got to be patient too. We got to be patient. We got to be patient. You say things aren't working out, working out fast. Things aren't working out quick. Things aren't working out the way that I should. You still were not meant to be in control. God and God alone is meant to be in control. So we usually want to 
We want to be in control because we, we, we want to be God. We want to be like God. We, we lack patience. And the third reason, if you're keeping notes, you want to write them down, why we want to be in control is because we lack faith. We lack faith. Again, Sarah wanted a child. She wanted a child, but nothing is happening. And again, days turn to weeks. Weeks turn to months. Months turn to years. Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. Don't you know her faith started to dwindle? Yeah, it did. In fact, you can read about her dwindling faith in, in Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 9. Here's what the Bible says. It says, where is your wife, Sarah? Now, what you need to understand is that at this particular time, Abraham has some visitors with him. And these aren't just normal visitors. These are actually messengers of God. And they are talking to Abraham. And Sarah is eavesdropping. She's listening in on the conversation. And they say, where is your wife, Sarah? And he says, they're in the tent. And so the Lord says to him, I will certainly come back to you. In a year's time, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. At this particular time, Sarah is 90. Uh, Abraham's about 100 years old. If you were 90 or 100, you are old. Don't get mad at me for saying that. That's what the Bible says. You know what I'm saying? And so they are old. Look at this. So you're going to have a child. So she laughed to herself after I've become shriveled up and my Lord is old. Well, I have delight. That's, that's, that's what happens. Do you see her lack of faith? Have you ever been there where you start lacking Faith? I know that I have. Have you ever been where, where God is telling you something and, and you just can't believe it? Whether it's because it's taken so much time for what God has told you to come about, or maybe again because what God has told you just seems impossible. But I want you to look at what the Bible says in verse 13. It says, But the Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Can I have a baby when I'm a watch this? Is there anything impossible for the Lord? Is there anything impossible for the Lord? Of course, the answer is no. Nothing is impossible for God. Our God spoke this earth into creation. He said, let there be light, and there it was. We serve a God who can do all things. He is a water-walking, grave-robbing, death-defying, miracle-working God. And if he tells you something, it's going to happen. It might not be in your time. Don't lose patience. He is in control. Because at 90 years of age, guess what happens? Sarah gives birth to Isaac, just as God said. Just as God said, I'm telling you, nothing is impossible for God. See, you and I have limitations. We do. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't always do things right. And so we don't need to try to be in control of everything. We're not God. And even if it seems like God's promise to you is far off, don't lose patience. Even when what God seems to be promising you seems impossible, keep the faith. You and I just need to keep trusting and keep believing because there's nothing impossible 
for our God. And remember this verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I'm telling you, when we don't submit to God, when we don't surrender to him, the results are devastating. They are. When we try to control our life, we, we mess up our path. We mess up the path of others. And I can't help but think that there are some people here today that know this to be true. Because maybe at one point in your life, you tried to take control of something and you said something that you wish you wouldn't have said. And because of what you said, because you tried to take control, you messed up a relationship in your life that was very important to you and things have not been the same. Maybe because you did something you knew you shouldn't have done, you tried to take control. And because you tried to take control, you messed things up and you caused yourself a lot of pain and a lot of problems. Well, I'm here to tell you right now that if you'll submit to God, if you'll surrender to him, God can take that mess that you made and turn it into a wonderful message, a wonderful miracle. Why? Because there's nothing that is impossible for our God. See, listen to me, and I'm wrapping up. I'm almost done. But Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I want you to see this. The Bible says, and we know. We know, which means that we have confidence. This is an unchangeable truth. We know that in all things, not some things, not a lot of things, not most things. We know that in all things, even the times that we messed up, the times that we tried to take control, the times where we didn't surrender to God, we know, we're confident that in all things, God works all things for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God can and God will turn our messes into amazing miracles if we'll surrender to him because there's nothing. There's nothing that's impossible for him. That's why we surrender to him. That's why we submit because he's the one with all power. He's the one with all authority. He is the one who is capable of meeting every need in our life. And so we choose to surrender over control. Every day, we take up our cross and we follow Jesus. Every day, we pray, you know what, Father? Not, your, not my will, but your will be done. Every day, we surrender to the one who loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. I wonder today... If you've truly surrendered. I wonder today if there's an area of your life that's not fully surrendered where you say, you know what, I want to hang on to this. I want to be in control of this. Things seem to be working out good. Let me tell you, give it long enough. Give it time. You'll mess it up. It'll mess you up. It'll mess you up. But God, when God's in control, 
He makes our paths straight. There's never been a time where God said, you know what, I wish I would have done things differently there. But I know in my life I have. So we surrender to the one who's perfect. We surrender to the one who truly loves us. We surrender to the one who gave his life for us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. But I wonder today if there is an area in your life where you would say, you know what? I'm still trying to hang on to this. I'm still trying to control this. And it's not yours to control. Maybe it's someone else's life. Maybe it's the decisions that they're making. You're trying to tell them what they need to be doing instead of what you need to be doing. Maybe maybe it's your your money. Like, this is mine. I'm going to control it, and you're making a mess. Could be anything, but maybe there's something here today, and you know that you just haven't surrendered it to God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 As we keep praying, maybe you're here today and you, you know for a fact that you haven't surrendered your life to Christ. You haven't given him your heart. You haven't really allowed him to direct your steps. But today, you would say, you know what? That's what I need to do. I need to give Christ my heart. I need to give Christ my all. Today, I need to be saved. If that's you right where you are, I want you to pray. Father, today, forgive me for all my sins. Forgive me for living for myself. Father, today, I surrender to you. I give you my heart, my whole heart. And I ask that you would make me into a new person. Father, I confess you as Lord. And I pray that when I leave this place, people will know that I've been changed by your grace and your goodness. And nobody's looking around, but if you prayed that prayer today, right where you are. I just want you to lift your hand. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for new life today. I thank you for those who have given their life to you, who have surrendered to you. And I pray, Father, that you would help them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are good. I also want to pray for each and every person here who raised their hand earlier acknowledging that there are just some things in their life that they haven't surrendered to you, but they know that they need to. Father, I pray that you would give them the strength to surrender, the faith to surrender. Father, help each and every one of us to realize that your timing is perfect, that your will is perfect, that your way is perfect. Father, we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in our life. Thank you for today. We pray in Christ's name, amen.
We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.